0: Hey everybody, this is Mark Holland here, and today I'm going to be uh, doing a commentary to uh, Disney's A Christmas Carol. Uh, This movie came out in 2007, I believe, and it stars Jim Carrey, Bob Hoskins, Carrie Elwes, can't pronounce that name very well, um, Colin Firth, Robin Pinwright, and many, many more. Uh, The funny thing about this movie is every actor and actress in this movie is British. Except Jim Carrey, who's Canadian. Uh, So he just had to kind of invent his own um, uh, British accent, which I think works very well uh, for this film. Uh, The funny thing is, it reminds me of another film he did way later called uh, Dark Crimes where every member uh, every cast member was um, Polish because it was taking place in Poland Uh, so every member that was in the cast was Polish except maybe a couple who were uh, Canadian or British Uh, but Jim Carrey was like the main character and he wasn't even Polish so he had to invent his own uh, Polish accent and a lot of people didn't really like it because it, uh, his voice was very, very low. Like, he didn't really talk very, like, out loud, except when he was angry. And at that point, you could probably tell if he was, you know, just using his regular voice, but just adding a gruff to it. <clears throat> but uh, a lot of people just said his uh, performance is very weak on that film. And uh, the co-stars just did way better. But uh, I thought the movie was okay. I think he did a good job. But I remember this being the first uh, adaptation of A Christmas Carol I ever watched. uh, Because I read the book. And I was little, so I had no clue about anything about uh, Charles Dickens or anything. And now I'm just obsessed with Charles Dickens and all that. Um, But I remember I first uh, saw this movie. It was on a cover of the case. And I said, did Charles Dickens help with this movie? (laughs) But... Unbeknownst to me, Charles Dickens died like way in the 1800s. So, um, sorry, I, uh, I'm recording this way in the morning. Uh, like, I think, uh, what time is it? Uh, 11 a.m. I'm recording this. So usually in the mornings I cough a lot just trying to wake up. So that's what I'm doing. But I just remember... Really being invested in. Because, you know, first impressions are always the most important. And so, my first impression of the movies was this one had everything correct. This movie was accurate as heck to the book. Uh, And then I watched other and I was like, ah, they just copied off of this one. Unbeknownst to me, these were older ones. So... But this one still has a charm to it, and it's just the imagery works very well. Most of the uh, Charles... Um, not Charles, I Most of the uh, Christmas Carol uh, adaptations, th- they do the storyline pretty well, but this is probably the only one that has the most perfect imagery that I actually think of when I'm reading the book is the imagery is just really, really magical on this one, and I, you have to hand it to Disney for that because without... Uh, if this wasn't a disney film i think the uh, i think it would still have a little bit of a magic to it but not as magical as uh, it turned out to be uh which is why I, just, I think disney really did a good job making this but uh so right now uh, scrooge is uh giving the dead eye to the uh carolers and this is where you really get a glimpse of uh Scrooge just being a very cold-hearted person, and, uh, you know, it's just like in the book, you know, but all the, all the characters sort of have the same thing, they're cold-hearted, and, uh, they just hate everything, which is what basically every, uh, adaptation of Scrooge is, uh, but this one just has more of, like, a darkness to it, because you honestly think that you're gonna see Scrooge just go up and just kill someone, that's what it looks like at times because just the facial features that they added onto him. And the funny thing is, we just passed a scene uh, which is right before the title card, uh, which uh, shows a uh, blind man walking his dog, and his dog uh, <clears throat> runs away from Scrooge. And that is actually a reference to the book where uh, it's talking about how Scrooge was so evil, everyone didn't like him. It said, and I, I'm gonna quote this the best I can because I read this book millions of times. So I'm hoping I can get this right. But it says, "Even the blind men's dogs knew him." I think that because there, there's more to it because it's like still in the beginning of the book. But even the blind men dogs knew him. Blind men's dogs knew him. Something like that. Uh, what do you think was kind of funny that even even animals knew who he was? That's how bad he was. But but again. Back to the imagery. The imagery is very, very good here. The imagery just works so well. And I just realized I am just a couple seconds ahead of the film. Because there's the timer for how long the movie's played. And how long the, uh, um, how long the, uh, pod, uh, this commentary's been playing. And the film is like, I want to say about five seconds, uh, Ahead, but uh, because we're at like six eighteen, and this is already at six twenty-seven. So, um, so I guess you could tell that this podcast is gonna be a little shorter than the film. But all in all, normal, normal movie length. But again, I just like the music for this movie. I need to get the soundtrack because the soundtrack, I've listened to it many, many times. It's such a beautiful soundtrack. Which is why I love Alan Silvestri. He can just make anything magical. Uh, anything that Alan Silvestri works on is just really well made. I mean, you have the Polar Express, which is another Christmas film that he's worked on. And it's just its so well done you know it's so perfect just the whole balance of the instruments and the uh sometimes the choirs because sometimes there's choirs in the mix it just works so well so i need to get a copy of uh, uh this soundtrack uh, that'd be cool but uh that's just me i'm just a really big uh fan of that kind of stuff soundtracks and all that we're gonna to cut to the sign now. The sign is, uh... It's just showing Scrooge and Marley with a little bit of uh, frost on it. But as the years go on, it shows sort of a time lapse of just... The sign eroding away and just kind of just becoming old. And the M just kind of tilts to a side, like, sort of like, almost falls off. That's... Now we cut to seven Christmas Eves later. Uh, so basically... Marley, who is, uh, Scrooge's, uh, partner in his, uh, business firm, has died, like, seven years ago, uh, and so, Scrooge has a, uh, sort of helper that is sort of a replacement, uh, Bob Cratchit, who is, uh, I want to say Colin Firth, yeah, and, uh, it, it's cold as hell in there, uh, in the office, and, uh, uh, Cratchit does not like the code, and he's becoming numb at the fingers, so he's trying to figure out a way to warm himself up. He sees the code, and he sees the key because the code is in a locked box, but the key is on Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, desk. So he has to just live with it being uh, probably zero degrees in there, or about 14 or something. And at this scene, we see Fred, who I, uh, is Carrie Elwes. I want to say, um, or I don't know, maybe it's Gary Oldman, I have no clue, I because every actor in this film plays multiple characters, so they all voice different people, so they'll voice the main characters, and they'll maybe voice side characters, so it's like, it's very, very low with the cast, because everyone has like about two or three people they play, but in this scene, we see Fred uh, trying to say Merry Christmas to Scrooge, and they have this big argument, which, for the most part, actually goes very well with the book. Uh, the dialogue's spot on with the book, which is what every Christmas Carol movie adaptation does. They all go by the book with a lot of the scenes. Uh, the dialogue's usually the same way. Uh, but of course, there's different adaptations that will probably revise some of the words, and this one is not a stranger to revising a couple things. Um, but uh, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: but this is where you see that Scrooge is not just mean to like people; he's mean to like his own family. So you kind of get a glimpse of that. He's not just putting this on; he really is just a cold-hearted person. And I think uh, um, I think Disney does pretty well on that. Uh, and you you feel that you see the I uh, can't even talk. You can hear the arguments. You're watching the arguments, and it feels so real. You know, it feels like, yes, you're actually terrified of what's going to happen in this conversation. Uh, because of how, you know, heated the argument's going. Which is, Disney's kind of a specialty. Because Disney's just really good at making drama happen in such a good way. If you hear, like, a white noise in the background, my uh, my fan is on. Because it gets hot in this room, so I usually have to have, we have to have a fan on. Well, I have to have a fan on. You know, me and my brother, who... Sleep in the same room together. We love it cold. And so we have the uh, fan that's on the ceiling, on. And then we have the box fan that's just on the ground. It's actually not even facing me, it's facing my brother's bed. My brother's not even in here. But uh, it's just kind of funny. Uh, But I can still feel it. I'm gonna go get this little neck pillow. I'm gonna be watching a movie and I'm gonna try to stay in one space the entire time so I gotta get comfortable Which that ain't gonna happen I'll try But again, this, the imagery in this uh, Just the imagery in this uh, film is very well done And uh, uh Just the camera panning to like other sections of the room uh, like just now, where they're showing the uh, charity workers—I think that's what they're called—the uh, two guys uh, trying to uh, give people to donate to their charity to help the needy. Uh, ooh, excuse me. I—I um, I always called them charity workers, but uh, yeah. But the imagery that they put in this movie, where it's, whether it's just the uh, background with the snow falling, or if it's uh, the Outside or anything. Even just the rooms themselves, just. The Victorian uh, imagery is just well made. And I feel like this is the one that does it the best. Because, as I said, most films, most uh, Christmas Carol adaptations, they'll work well with the. uh, um, What do you call it? They'll work well with the storyline and the character development. But this one. You're really supposed to be enticed to the way it looks. Disney is just one of those films that you have to like the way it looks. If it doesn't look good, no one's going to want to watch That's the way Disney works. Uh, Which is why Disney is one of the biggest uh, companies in the movie business. Because all their films have a certain imagery to them. A certain uh, lookability. (laughs) If that's even a word. That just, just works so well. That you, you, the characters are just very decent uh, sort of copies of the actual characters in the book. But uh, when you actually uh, look at the imagery, it, the imagery is just more perfect that it uh, it blacks out the uh, characters being very cheesy and basically a copy of everything else. And it focuses on like, oh, you like the way this movie looks, so you love the movie. That's the way I've always saw Disney. Disney's just one of those companies that just want you to like the movie based on the way it looks. Um, And then they make the saying, uh, don't base a book on its cover, yet they literally are telling you, like this movie by the way it looks. Um. But I remember when I first watched this, I I had just read the book like probably five times by then. Because as I said, I am addicted to Charles Dickens. I love his stuff. I remember uh, watching the deleted scenes on this uh, DVD, uh, and uh, and the deleted scenes even had all the deleted scenes were parts that were still in the book. So I thought, oh my gosh, these these people really wanted to make this movie a full-on movie, you know, based off the book, because even the deleted scenes are parts from the movie. So, it was, just, it was cringy how I thought that uh, just because their lead scenes were parts that were in the book made this movie way more uh, better than it was. But this movie still has a magic to it, and I, I still hold it dear. This is still one of my favorite Christmas movies to watch. I'll watch this every year on Christmas. Right next to the Home Alone movies, uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, A Christmas Story... And, of course, with my family, one of the Christmas movies we watch, which people cry about it being Christmas, people grab about it not being Christmas, we'll watch Die Hard. We'll watch Die Hard. Uh, and then uh, Lethal Weapon 1, but then we'll end up watching all the others because we just love Lethal Weapon so much. But Lethal Weapon 1 really has a sort of Christmas spirit to it. So, of course, uh, we'll watch it because it's the Christmas vibe, but then we'll end up watching the entire series. We'll watch the entire collection because why not? We love eat the Weapon so much. Well, this is where you realize that this is a Disney film and not just a normal movie adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Because this scene where uh, Bob Cratchit is sort of, I want to say uh, ice skating, but like on his own feet. And then it's kind of the way he, his body just kind of floats in the air as he holds onto the uh, streetlight. Uh, just his body, like, kind of floats a little bit, and then he kind of bounces off the bounces onto the ground, sort of like he's not even uh, not even on Earth. You know, he's kind of like on the moon with that sort of zero gravity, sort of flotation. Just it's it's very Disney-esque, which is you know. But this is where we get to a scene that actually kind of creeped me out when I first saw it because I did not know that Disney was gonna make a jump scare. Uh, but we were uh, arriving at a. Uh, Scrooge's house, which is actually Marley's uh, mansion, uh, but when Marley died, he gave all of his stuff to Scrooge because Scrooge was like his best friend and sort of like a brother to him so he's looking Scrooge is looking at the uh, door knocker and he dropped his key, so he goes to go get him back, and as we cut as, as the camera pans down to uh, Scrooge picking up the keys the his back sort of starts to glow with a sort of a green evanescence. and we see that the door knocker has turned into a, a sort of floating, um, sort of wavy apparition of uh, Marley. His head, very like green, like a mint green, and then Scrooge is like, oh my god, and he's gonna he's gonna slowly raise his hands to the door knocker, and then all of a sudden. Uh, Marley's apparition uh, just opens his eyes and opens his mouth and some of his teeth kind of break off and Scrooge falls backwards all freaked out and it turns out the door knocker's back to normal I remember that scene used to freak me out so much that I, I was like trying to prepare myself every time I saw this scene because I wasn't totally freaked out that I'd scream every time I'd see it but uh I would be like, okay, that scene's about to come on. Prepare yourself. And that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what I do. So, yeah. So, we're getting to a scene. uh, That was actually part of a deleted scene that I was talking about. Uh, So, Scrooge right now is going to walk up the stairs to his uh, room. And we're not going to get to see him walk all the way up. But we'll, uh, oh, excuse me. we'll get to see uh, Scrooge walk up a little bit, and then we'll cut to uh, him sitting in his room. Right there. Um, but uh, in the deleted scenes, he's walking up the stairs, and his uh, shadow slowly morphs into a stagecoach and rides down the stairs. And of course, Scrooge throws himself out of the way before he gets run over. That's actually a part of the book. Uh, because in the book, um, Scrooge is walking stairs and realizes that his shadow is morphing into this stagecoach and is kind of trying to question why is this stagecoach there? And, uh, obviously see Scrooge is slowly getting paranoid by, uh, because the, uh, doorknob sort of freaked him out and so he, uh, He's going through every room in his house, and that actually shot of this one room that he's in, and he just slowly closes the door real fast. I uh, had to admit that, that that room did look a little haunted to me. It did look a little uh, suspicious, uh, cause he got he uh, got like bed sheets covering every uh, object in the room, uh, and so I mean that that kind of is already a suspicious room. And this is a ghost film, if you will. This is a sort of a ghost film. Um, I may have to turn this down because this is, we're about to get to a loud scene. And though I have this at like, uh, I do have this at like a good, a good volume. I am a little worried that it'll get loud because we are at the bells when they all chime all. Little, Really loud, and uh, no matter what volume I put it on, it's always going to be able—you're to going to hear it. Like right now, I can already hear it. And it's at like twenty volume. In
1: the
0: yeah. So it's not really loud right now, and this is uh, the glass it's going to get. Probably that's my stepdad uh, that walked in to put something in here. But yeah, all the sounds are sort of just happening, and he just, I can't really put it into words, but he just lowers his uh, body forward as like a sign of like, oh my god, please stop. So yeah. And so, uh, kind of, uh there, I guess, if you will. I am running out of words. Usually I have enough, uh, usually I have enough, uh, words already prepared out for this, but I guess I don't. <laughs> I because I watched this one time and I was doing the commentary and I had every scene I had something to say, <clears throat> but I guess I don't now because <laughs> uh, that was a while back. So kind of shortening all my stuff out. <clears throat> so back to the volume is on. So now we're about to see. Uh, well, I'm about to see uh, Marley, uh, his ghost, come into the room, and I paused the film a little bit. <clears throat> so my uh, recorder could catch up because this film was going way uh the time was faster because my uh my recording of the podcast was actually uh going very um it was like a couple seconds behind if i had to make a guess like eight seconds i want to say and so i paused the film and let uh the, the recording catch up to the time of the film And so now, they're both on sync, because we are 23 minutes into the film. Exactly 23 minutes, 8 seconds. So, cool, I got everything planned out. So, all the ghosts in this film uh, all have like a sort of minty green glow to it, which I think is okay, but again, I kind of wish they had the same glow as the as the, uh, door knocker head, because that was, like, a perfectly green glow, and I think it's probably just because the room was a lot brighter, so they toned down the color a little bit, so it wasn't too dark, <sighs> but oh uh, well, it works it so fine, and by the way, that pause was me yawning, <laughs> I was yawning then, but, uh, I can never say they would have kept that dark glow that the, uh, apparition that was on the door knocker had. Because it just was more, more better of a color, I guess. Because this is, like, sort of a very, like, scion, uh, glow. And scion's okay, but that first, uh, glimpse of what a ghost sort of looked like was just way darker and looked way better. In a sense. So now, uh scrooge and money talking about uh do you know who i am uh which is actually a scene that i was very interested in when i was reading the book because scrooge tries so hard to just change the subject every conversation that they have like he's trying to change it like there's a part that i don't think he's even in this uh there is a part that's in this um but they don't do the entire thing but uh Scrooge is trying to talk about how he doesn't believe in ghosts and goblins and, you know, mythical creatures. It says, you see this toothpick? He holds up a toothpick and says, if I swallow it, I will lurch myself into this world of goblins and ghouls and monsters. Um, And just tries to say that he don't believe in ghosts. It says, well, if I don't believe in ghosts, then if you're saying ghosts are real, and that my imaginary, my um, imagination can control all that. I can rake this toothpick, put it in my mouth, swallow it, and I will lurch myself into this world of goblins. And then he goes under the thing that's in this movie about a a sandwich with the uh, a crumb of a crumb of meat, crumb of cheese. There's a grave, a gravy, whatever you are about that whole thing. I can't remember the entire thing. I have a copy of the book. Hold on. I have a copy of the book. I'm gonna. It's it's a it's a revised edition, so it's not like a uh, original copy. I want to get an original copy, cause uh, <clears throat> the original copy is a lot darker and kind of creepier. So I feel like uh, it'd be better if I had an original copy, cause the way that uh Dickens actually worded things. Was actually kind of creepy. Like I was reading uh, the book and I was listening to like this eerie uh, instrumental, and it just—I was actually terrified of the of what was happening in the story. Get to the page. Oh, I'm gonna do this because it's gonna—you're uh, gonna hear this sliding page happen. And uh. Already probably annoying you. The page. Uh, let's see. Okay. Here it is. It goes. <clears throat> You see this toothpick, said Scrooge, returning quickly to the charge for the reason just assigned, and wishing, though it were only for a second, to d- divert the vision stony gave from himself. So Scrooge is already scared of the ghost at this point. He's like, he's trying to find a way to just distract this ghost. And he goes, I do, replied the ghost. You are not seeing it, uh, said Scrooge. But I do see it, notwithstanding, said the ghost. Well, returned Scrooge, I have but to swallow this and be for the rest of my days persecuted by a legion of goblins all my own creation. Humbug, I tell you, humbug. At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook his uh, chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair to save himself from falling in a swoon. figure out where it was. Okay, it's actually way up, head. I went down a little bit. Okay. You don't believe in me, observed the ghost. I don't, said Scrooge. What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your own senses? I don't know, said Scrooge. Why do you doubt your senses? Because, said Scrooge, a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Scrooge was not much in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel in his heart by any means waggish Waggish then. The truth is that he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention and keeping down his terror. For the the spectre's voice disturbed the very marrow in his bones. So, you can already tell that, uh, Scrooge was terrified, but he was trying to hide it as much as he could. Uh, and I think this is a avi- uh, revised, I believe. I think it is a revised version. Because... Okay, this is a 1999 copy of the book. This book was made in 1843, but I don't see anything saying this is an original copy or this is advised, but I'm pretty sure it was revised. But yeah, it's, it's a really good book, and I definitely advise if you haven't seen the book haven't read the book, uh, definitely check it out because it's really, really insightful. I mean, not just as a story uh, for Christmas time, but also just as an individual story um, that you can just read any time of year, and it just, it's just so good. I used to read this many, many times when I was in intermediate school. I remember I just read this every single day in intermediate school, uh, so I practically kind of knew everything in this book by heart. It's still a good book, nonetheless. So now we cut to, um, Ghost of Christmas Past, which is probably my favorite ghost in this, uh, in this film, uh, besides the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, because I'm not really that big on the, uh, uh, Ghost of Christmas Present, because it's just, it just, I don't know, it's just the way that it all ends, it's just kind of, I don't know, I don't know, it just, it just wasn't really that well done, (laughs) um, but I do love the first, ghost and the last ghost very much like they were just perfect and the imagery you really get to see with um this ghost right here and uh all my life i was trying to figure out what this what this uh creature this ghost was supposed to be um like i'd watch it be like is this just a dude with a flaming head but then as i got to watching it years later i realized he's basically a candle because his cloak is basically the wax then his, fl- his uh, head's basically the flame that's on the, uh, you know. Uh, so basically, he is of a v- he's a, wa- a floating talking candle. Uh, and I never knew that. I never noticed that. And I felt bad that I didn't notice it. So I'm guessing that, um, when he touches Scrooge on the hand, <clears throat> and then later on the chest, because he can't fly, <clears throat> um... I guess it doesn't really hurt as much. But just this whole scene that we're about to get on is very, very cool. I like it. Um, so, Scrooge is like, uh, I can't fly. I can't float. I'm going to die immortal. So, the ghost is like, Bear but a touch of my hand there, and you shall become more than this. Yes, I did the whole thing perfectly. Uh, and then, of course, Scrooge floats. And,. Uh, it's funny how he tries to grab... The ghost tries to grab his uh, sort of cap that he left afloat while he tries to touch Scrooge. And as he as he uh, <clears throat> does it, as he puts his hand uh, away from Scrooge, he's about to try to grab it. He misses it at one point and he has to get up to get it. I thought that was funny. <clears throat> and now we are floating uh, all through England. Uh, very like winter wonderland. And this was by far... My favorite scene in in the history of movie scenes. This whole scene where they're flying, uh, sort of through this uh, wintry forest, it was just perfect. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, and it was literally where, this scene. As I would say when I was younger, this scene is made of my dreams. My dreams are made up of this scene. My this is my winter wonderland. Is where I live in a world that's just always snowing. And that sort of a uh, thing. <clears throat> I don't know. It's uh, a... <laughs> I'm my words. It's just a very well done uh, scene. It's executed very, very nicely. Okay, now I realize that my phone is now a second ahead of the film. But at least the minutes are correct. Get this down here. So now Scrooge is starting to kind of smile. He's happy, uh, but he's still trying to hide it all back by saying, "Oh, I'm not happy. This is just, this is just me." But uh, you're really starting to see uh, his glow, and it's very, very uh, adorable. You know, have seen this guy who's just so shut off from the rest of the world, just kind of smiling. It's like, oh god, his humanity is coming back to him. I'm going to go put this book back. Again, Alan Silvestri kills it with the music. It's so good. He comes up to his boarding school and, uh there's some dark theories uh, circulating because of the book uh, but there's things that say Scrooge was actually raped and uh, the house was sort of like his refuge the school was his refuge from his house Um, and then there's things that his family disowned him uh, and so school was like the place he had to go for Christmas time, because he had nowhere else to go, and people were like, well, why did his family just him? And I want to say it's because he was one of the first homosexuals, and people were going to be like, where'd you get that accusations?" You'll find out later that uh, uh, in a scene, you go to his uh, first job, which is where he was an apprentice for a guy named uh, Fezziwig. And his, his, uh, sort of his partner and his job was named Dick Wilkinson. And he says, Dick was very attached to me. Um, but I want to say that he didn't, he wanted to deny the fact that he was attached to Dick. Because him and him were like bread and butter almost. They were best friends and became one of the best friends. And his family disowned him because at that time, uh, homosexuals weren't really a thing. that's why he's at his he's at this boarding school is because he literally does not have anywhere else to go and no one's going to take him seriously because of his love towards men and so that's when uh fan which is the name of uh his sister uh tells him that father has decided you can come back home it's like well why was it his decision? And then you, then it kind of proves my point. His father just kind of decided to live the fact that his son's into guys. And so... That's what makes this seem so... Uh, very nicely done, heartwarming. Because this father has finally grown attached to his son. And has decided to accept the fact that his son is different. And that's why you see Scrooge after this whole thing is just kind of smiling and then Cuts back to reality and realizes Oh You guys I had it good and then But just Looking at everything that has happened later on Now I got to a more like evening sort of scene It's like evening I guess and it's like very bluish black and it's still snowing it's very beautiful I think it's well done. And then we cut to Fezziwig's place. And he says, do you know this place? I could walk it blindfolded. Although that was actually when he was at the boarding school. He said, I could walk it blind- blindfolded. But oh well. As he sees Fezziwig alive again. <sighs> yep. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, what? And then he sees his his older self. His uh, actually, actually, it'd be his younger self, but still older. And then you see Dick, and he says, "I was he was very attached to me. He's very attached to me." <laughs> yep, there it is. And then of course, that's so creepy. Fezziwig just jumps off of his high pitched um, not high pitched, but it's. His high, uh, sort of chair and jumps onto a table and then bounces off of it due to his fat belly and lands on his feet. He could have just jumped off the Eiffel Tower and just said, Huh, here's a trick. And, uh, yeah. So Scrooge is afraid he almost got impaled because they moved the table and his, himself, his actual self, not his past self, uh, was in the way and so the table kind of went right through him and he felt like, Oh my god, did I just get impaled? Uh, But these are the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. That's what the Ghost of Christmas Past said. When he was trying to call out the names of the uh, kids that were on this uh, sort of float. On this uh, sort of ride. Saying, hey, remember me? Look, it's Scrooge. Like, these are the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Because these already happened. You can't alter the past... With the future. No matter how hard you try. You can't do that. So everything will play out the way it did. You just have to watch it. And observe from behind. And that's what I like about this movie. Is it touches on the fact that you can't change the past. But you can change your future. You can change your fate. Your destiny. Uh, You can't change the past. But you can learn from it. Whereas most films are like. You know you want to change it as much as you can. But Disney kind of knows That, you know, you can't. So you have to have this good message. You have to have this very inspirational uh, thought process of like, I want to change the past, but I know I can't. So instead, I'm going to change my future. I'm going to be a better person. And that's basically what every uh, Disney film is, essentially. I know I'm basically cracking down the whole essence of Disney films just to talk about A Christmas Carol. But hey, give me a break. This is my commentary so now we're gonna see Scrooge with the love of his life or at the time and they're doing this slow dance and it's very very beautiful this is actually one of the scenes that actually made me smile years later after watching it whereas I thought this was a boring ass scene i have going to really love this scene as like a very beautiful you know thing how they just stand there falling in love with each other, holding hands, and just knowing that they pray this night'll never end. And then their past slowly drifts off into the nothingness, and Scrooge is just there looking all bitter because he realizes he had a good past. It may have not been the best, may not have been the brightest, but there's a lot of things that he liked. And then we cut to the scene where he has to break up with his um fiance because she committed adultery, and uh, Scrooge, when he hears her voice and saying what she says, he's like, oh shit, it's this time, we're gonna be looking at this day, we're gonna be looking at this conversation, I don't like this, which is why Scrooge is about to snap off in a bit after this whole scene fades off, it's because Scrooge is like, I did not want to remember this, that's why I turned bitter, Is because of this whole scene uh, of uh, him trying to tell that tell this woman that you committed adultery. You, you're a whore. <laughs> it's literally what the whole thing is about. It's just that, and then he. It's just so sad. Because he really wanted to be with her, and then he and then she commits adultery like that, and basically she's meaningless to him, but he still wants to be with her. So. Yeah. So now she's saying, saying goodbye, for, goodbye to him and all that, and she's gonna the wrong way. I believe this is Robin, uh, Robin Pinwright. Or is that how you pronounce her name? Robin Pinwright or is it Robin Wright Pin? Robin Wright Pin. So this whole time I've been saying Robin Wright Pin. So this whole time I wasn't even saying the correct name. I was saying her name so wrong. I apologize. Yes, I am now a second ahead of this, uh, I mean, I'm a, a, a second and a half uh, ahead of this, uh, of the film itself. Whereas, right like around 23 minutes ago, actually no, 23 minutes into the film, the film was ahead of me. And now I'm ahead of the film. Kind of hilarious. 43 minutes 35 seconds long into this uh podcast or not podcast a commentary and uh, we're almost done with uh um the first ghost we're going to be on going on to the second ghost and this is the last scene where scrooge is finally done with this ghost because this ghost is sort of like mocking him and transforming into every face of his past and and scrooge just picks up the cap and just, just destroys this uh Ghost of uh, Christmas past Extinguishes its last flame forever and then Blasts off into the air (laughs) I always like watching the scene of silence because it's just so funny watching his reaction and then the cap just slowly melts off of him. And he's just floating off in nowhere. He's like already towards the moon. Falling back into earth. And if this was accurate. He would actually just melt off and just burn up and die into ash. Uh, because of how high up he is and how fast he's going down. His body would actually melt and just burn up. And his ashes would fall onto earth. It's Sort of like a white cologne. And people would think of it as snow so technically he wouldn't have lived but of course that was just a dream because he wakes up falling off of his bed instead of him going back to sleep and waking up again to another ghost uh, like in the book he simply wakes up from one ghost and automatically the, no- the other ghost is already there waiting for him so that's when you know that they were trying to just fast forward through the whole process of the ghosts which is okay, but it's just, could've been way better. But you know. And this is probably the one where they tried to put the most imagery without actually doing imagery. Because the way that everything looks...
1: It's
0: uh, oh, probably the most festive looking uh, ghost scene. Because everything's maxed out to look like a very beautiful Christmas mansion. And you hear this, like, haunting giant voice. And you see this big Christmas tree, and it's as high up as the mansion itself is. And, of course, there's the ghost, way up up there on the ceiling. Know me better, man. You see how high up he is, it's like, Jesus. I just, I just, I love this film so much. I forgot how much I like it. i watched it and be like, oh, this is just a normal Christmas film. And then I'm looking at the imagery, I'm like, no, this film's more than just a regular Christmas film. It's a really good film. Of course, I know most of the words, so I mean, it's just kind of a thing for me. With my Yoda brothers, you have many brothers? More than 1,800. I forget how much number he says. Oh, okay, so he basically just says the year he started writing the Christmas Carol. Oh, that's clever. I did not notice that at first. I forgot, um, of course, as I said, oh, towards men, um, but the thing about, um, look, is the book was made in 1843, so 1842, he was in the middle of writing it, so when he got to this book, he literally just wrote down, basically wrote down the year, uh, that he started writing the book, which I think is clever, because... 1842 is the number he says. That's the year he started writing on High Christmas Girl. So I thought that was a kind of funny mix. That's that's clever. I like that. I like they added that in. Cause so I don't know if that's in the book. I'd have to read the book again. But I don't think they- I don't think he says that. Touch my robe. He touches the robe. And it was funny. He doesn't have a British accent. He has a, he has a sort of like Scottish accent. And now, the tree is deflating. Doesn't that suck? Your tree deflates. He breathes out his magic dust that erodes the floor. It erodes the floor, but the floor's still there, because you can still see the outlines of the floor. You can still see the outline of the floor, so it's not like he simply uh, is going to fall through it, because... You can still see the outlines of the cracks of the floor. It's just sort of like a TV that instead covers the entire floor. And then now, uh, the Ghost Christmas Present is just toying with him at this point. Again, this song is the reason why I want to get this uh, soundtrack.
1: Hark, uh, mm. ever of transfer.
0: Hug the Herald Angel, singing is just well done. Yes, this is when you start to realize that um, this dude may start becoming a little suspicious of being a little weird. Like he's starting to act a little strange, you know, and it's... But in the laughter you can tell that he's just trying to, you know, make things uh, seem happy, you know, and that, uh, hey, I'm be so sad in the present. That's a Yeah, he is sleeping very very late <laughs> So he's gonna rot a hole in the in the bed that's uh, showing the roof rotting a hole in the floor that's showing the roof of another house so he basically is rotting two things at the same time. So now we're getting a close-up on the uh, Cratchits. they're all so excited for Christmas you know hoping everyone's all together and all that you know you see you can tell everyone's so happy. And they got their cousin Martha, I think it's cousin. Kind of like Martha's here. And she comes every year. So they're gonna do a little prank on uh, Bob Cratchit saying uh that Martha didn't come. And then she's gonna come out of the club and say, Hi, I'm here. And Scrooge really isn't all that into it. Gets funked on the head. You're supposed to think it's funny, Scrooge And there he is It's <laughs> another one of the most heartwarming scenes because it's just this family's just you know, they're so relatable And you look on his face is like wait Martha's not coming. She comes every year. Huh, <laughs> scares him half to death. And then you see Tiny Tim, and it's kind of you don't really get to see the way his face, with his hair and everything, so it's like, you see it's like, wait, who's he? <laughs> No, a relatable, relatable scene with a bunch of characters that you know you can't help but just feel relatable to And her face All distraught, excuse me, all distraught when she talks about Scrooge So I mean it's heartbreaking yeah. Sorry I was gone for a while um, had to go help some with my stepdad, so that's why. <clears throat> and now Scrooge is realizing that they're poor. And, uh, Tiny Tim is very ill, and if they don't have the money, if they don't have the money to, uh, help his illness, he's going to die. And it's all because Scrooge ain't giving him the money he needs. And Scrooge is like, wait, Tiny Tim gets to live, right? Tiny Tim's gonna live. And it's like, well, the way things are going, it doesn't look like Tiny Tim will live very long. I'm about to see a scene. I don't know if it's about to happen or if it's later on, but he's. Uh, the goes to Christmas present is going to say something that Scrooge said earlier. And
1: uh,
0: it really shows that Scrooge just was a bad person. And, of course, there's Scrooge trying to walk away and easily... Uh, Ghost Christmas Pat- present just easily picks him up and just holds him in the air so he's like squirming like a little bug. It's kind of cute actually. And then uh, Mrs. Cratchit does not like talking about Scrooge because he's a cheapskate. <laughs> but she's going to put her uh, biased opinion inside and just make this toast to Scrooge. And then Tiny Tim says it's well known mine. God bless us. Everyone. Yep. They're all getting together, about to eat their food. And they're actually going to hold their hands and pray. And it's actually kind of a nice little scene. Yeah, there it is. If they'd, wanted, if they'd rather die, they'd better do it and decrease this surplus population. That's what he said to the uh, people that were doing the charity. He said, uh, uh, the, if the people that are in need of uh, common comforts and food and drink, and they, and they literally would rather die than have to go through this suffering, then they, they should just die and decrease this surplus population surplus being mini, huge, so, uh, that's kind of what, uh, Scrooge, uh, said, and, uh, of course, just kind of said that in a way to, like, say, hey, you don't need to be falling in love with these guys, because remember what you said before, you think these people should rather die, and that's when they kind of sneak a cuss word into this film, uh, is he an ass? Mm, yes and no. Oh, I know, it's Scrooge, your uncle. So they, they found a way to tie a cuss word into this without getting in trouble. Because ass is a donkey. And of course, ass is also known for someone who's just mean and cruel. So it was, it's kind of funny the way they worded that in there. It's really well done. So now they're going to try to do, I think they're doing another toast to Scrooge, uh, the uncle, that's actually the nephew is, to Uncle Scrooge. And now we get to the scene that I actually have to say to myself, why did they turn this into the way it did? Of course, this also is in the story, but uh, it's just very boring. (laughs) I mean, they try to make it scary, they try to make it it creepy, but it just turns out so bland. It's just... I mean, the first time I watched it, I was terrified. It was the most creepiest thing I'd ever seen. But the more I watched it, I'm like, this is just... it's not really scary. (laughs) It's just not all that good. But I gotta admit to them, the point where they're inside Big Ben, and every time the bell chimes, he starts withering away. And they start seeing... Uh, the to the foot he's uh contemplating if that's either a toe or a hand. <sighs> but to meet once in need. want an ignorance yep there it is he is um withering away alright we are an hour into the um commentary No workhouses? No, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? And she gets put into a straitjacket, and boom. He's all alone with nothing but his shadow. And, of course, a corpse of the um, Ghost of Christmas present withering away. Though he's nothing but his skeleton. Fucking creepy. (laughs) I mean, mean, you can tell that they were trying to go for a and on it. It can't be creepy at times. And then... We see his shadow morphing into the Ghost of Christmas of Yet to Come. Which is actually my, one of my other favorite ghosts. Because he's basically the Grim Reaper. And it's cool. So that whole time that I was just gone he you just heard the movie playing... That was me helping my dad with something, and I uh, had to go and do something real quick, so that's what that was. I had to stack a couple movies up, so all you heard was the audio. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> He breaks through the floor and, his, and, and falls downstairs. That leads to a big, I want to say bank. I want to say it's a bank, though. It could be a funeral. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to read the uh, words on top of the building. I like think it's. I think it says a restaurant. I don't know. It's it's some big building. If anyone knows what it is, let me know because I have no clue what that is. What that building is that they're in front of. I don't wanna say it's like a restaurant or a or a bank or something. Or a courthouse? Give me a courthouse. I've been recording this for an hour and three minutes. Wow. Again, the imagery is just well made. The imagery is well done. You gotta get, you gotta hand it to them. They really outnumbered themselves with that. I mean, outdid them. So I don't know. Why, I don't know why I said outnumbered. And so now the Grim Reaper is pointing, and the camera pans over and sees like this shadow of a horse and stagecoach and all that. They look all evil and everything. Their eyes are glowing red. Yeah, they're black like devil horses. And he looks back at the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper points to him. And boom. There they go. Chasing after Scrooge. And Scrooge has to run for it. Let me get to another. Let me get to a. I want to say it's a God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, uh, song uh, adaptation because it sounds like God Rest You Merry gentleman playing. Sorry, I here hear. God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, man, that nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's by when we were walked on Earth. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> I just added a whole twang to it. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing. And we got all these, like, zombie. Like, zombie. zombie peasants and alcoholics just rising up from the ground trying to stop him. Scrooge is, like, starting to grow tiny Yeah, Scrooge is starting to grow very tiny again the uh, when they when he does the whip and, uh, and the whip they well, I can hardly even talk but when the whip has this sort of after effect of like this spark that's like very neon colored, it's, it's very nice and then of course the wave coming towards him makes him tinier and he's walking through the sewers in a very high-pitched chipmunk voice it's kind of like okay they're making this a little childish Okay, that was kind of funny the way he said that Oh, come on, give me a break Kind of like uh, all these psychs on uh, that one Bring Me The Rising song after the new record I don't remember what it goes, but he goes Oh, give me a break <laughs> I don't remember what it is, but oh, I'm prim that song now he falls into a sewer that leads him into right now it's just a slide but it leads him to on top of a roof i mean you gotta admit that this is very well made like it's actually kind of fun like i could watch this and literally talk about nothing and of course all the ice picks just Hitting him in the face as they break off is kind of humorous. And, of course, he uses the, uh, he uses the, uh, yeah, he uses that as a, uh, uses that one ice, ice yeah, using it as a skateboard and that breaks off and he falls onto a bag of clothes that Mrs. Dilber, his maid. It's carrying, because this is the Ghost Christmas uh, yet to come, so this is, like, the future. So, Scrooge is already dead, basically, in this timeline. Scrooge has died, and so the maid and Bob Cradger are going through all this stuff. Uh, gonna sell it or do something. They look so ugly in their own, I mean, like, I don't know if they meant for them to look so ugly, if it's just like, if they, if they meant it as like a, uh, what do you call it, uh... a. <laughs> are talking as if they can hear him. <laughs> It's kind of a humorous scene, although it's kind of retarded.
1: And uh, oh,
0: it's so is <laughs> basically hearing how he died. He died of old age, of course, but uh. Yeah, and then, of course, Bob Pratt is getting a uh, uh. a stick or something, and and Ebenezer thinks, oh crap, Cratchit sees me. He looks and sees that there's a rat there. And then he's trying to beat up the rat, but of course, there's other, there's activation that he probably sees Scrooge's little tiny self as well. And he beats up a, a, a piece of wood that knocks him up. And lands right into the palm of the ghost and he slowly starts becoming bigger His voice starts turning into a more human voice Kind of creepy Of course the hands leading up to a bed that is behind him, and it is of course the dead body of Scrooge. And we don't get to see it. we we'll get to see a little bit of it, but we don't get to see a whole big thing of it, which is sad. Because, uh... Well... It's just sad. Of <laughs> course, Scrooge doesn't want to see his dead body. I and mean, you can already see his eyes are just watering with tears, like he is sad and he's scared. is just now looking at his body. an hour 13 minutes into this and now we're cutting to a scene of uh, Fred. Fred Scrooge I think is his name and they just found out that Scrooge died and he can't help but kind of laugh He is now in the Cratchit's house, where he's going to find out that in the future, everyone is so sad because Tiny Tim is gone. Tiny Tim died. Uh, He died of his illness, and of course, them being very poor, they couldn't do anything except just sit there and just mourn. It's all because Scoochies didn't give him a race to help with the, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, cure. Because there is a cure for him, but it's way out of their balance, way out of their budget. And, of course, there's Crash, there's Bob coming home. Everyone's going around hugging him, telling him, hey, I love you. We miss him, too. It's actually probably the most heartbreaking scene in this entire movie. Because you see the way they're all reacting and they all just, you know you can tell that they all miss their uh Yeah, and then you got Bob Craig himself crying. It's just very heartbreaking. i a bit because it's very quiet Not soon. So now crunch is walking up the stairs to Scrooge's uh, Scrooge's, um, Mount Scrooge's, um, he's walking up to, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Tiny Tim's room where he was. Where he died, him. and of course, of course, he stops right at where Scrooge is and just, he can't see him feel the presence there and so he's just sitting there just all broken up and he's staring at his dead body just sad crying because he's never gonna see his son again and this is where Scrooge realizes that he his his uh, cold-hearted soul has to come to an end we can't change can't change the uh, past, but we can prevent the future, is basically what's going on. And so, basically that's what's happening here. And it, it's kind of a message that I think still rings true in a sense. Um, and that's basically said before, that's what every Disney movie is. is it all goes on that same topic of we all want to change the past we all want to redo things but we can't but we do have the power to prevent and change our future so every any and every character in a uh, disney film finds that out in a sense and this is where scrooge is kind of having his epiphany and realizing that hey he can change his future and change his whole fate So he's in his graveyard, uh, in the graveyard, looking at his gravestone, and we're about to see the year he dies, according to the film. He was born in 1786, and he will die. Okay, so we know he dies on Christmas uh, morning, but it's not going to say the year, because, watch. It's just going to show the date. But if I had to make a guess... 1843. Because 1843 was the year that this book um, was written. And it made several references to the year it was written... And the year it was in the process of being written. So maybe that's the year Scrooge dies. is in 1843 after A Christmas Carol is released... Uh, but of course that's just my, uh, overthinking self. So now we are seeing Scrooge about to fall into the coffin that is hovering over what I want to say is the flames of hell. (laughs) And so now he's holding on by a twig, asking for, um, the spirit to help him. And we're about to see the spirit's face, which is kind of just an eyeball. I think it's kind of a cute face. I don't know why, it's it's cute. You gotta admit, it's a cute face. (laughs) Now he's just crying saying, please, I'll change, I'll be a good person. (laughs) Now he's falling. He's falling into this um, coffin that's hovering over hell. And we're about to see that it's not a coffin, but it is, in fact, the floor to his bedroom. Because, yes, this, too, was a dream. He's all tangled up onto the bed. (laughs) Blast. Yep, he's still alive, so he's all happy. Feather And is a schoolboy <laughs> So now he's starting to change his ways And So now he's gonna get money for uh, buying this turkey. So, he is going... <gasps> it's so hilarious this whole scene is. he's gonna buy that price turkey that's very big and he's gonna give it to um he's gonna give it to i want to say in the book he he gives it to the crack so i don't know if they do that in this one because you never get to see what happens to the turkey But, uh, in the book, they give it to, uh, he gives it to t- uh, Tiny Tim. As well as giving, uh, as well as giving, uh, you know, the, as well as giving the uh, stuff to, um, giving the rays to Bob. Yeah, as you can tell, he's changed his ways. My brother keeps walking in and asking, "Sorry about that." Uh. Oh. In heaven, nature In nature Okay, I need to stop. We Don't get to hear what he tells. Oh, bless me.
1: My, my dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? Not a farthing lesson. A great many bank payments are included in it. May I assure you, my dear Sloppy, I,
0: I don't know what to say to such a good dancing. Anything at Don't say anything at all. I at all. have nothing else to say
1: against you. What is yes. this noise? About to act off.
0: They're all excited because they're like, "Oh my God, Scrooge just gave us money for singing." Scrooge really has changed his ways. So now. So now we are over at uh. So now we are over at uh Fred's Mansion. About to uh. Uh, about to see that whole uh. Is he an Asim? yes and no. Promise. Fred asked if he'd come, and he said he'd promised that he'd arrive at the place for Christmas dinner. So he did. If you Everyone's all silent. No. So they're all happy because it's like, oh my god, he's here! So he gets to meet the family friends, and friends enjoy Christmas dinner together, and it's, 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 it's a happy, it's, it's a happy scene. And, um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and now we're going to cut to one last scene. last scene in the movie he's gonna put on the uh, mode that he's still the angry mean guy he's gonna give uh, Bob a raise all like what? (laughs) Merry Christmas Bob. (laughs) And of course Bob's all like confused as to why this is happening. he's all confused as to why this is happening So all dancing around and all that
1: that Scrooge was better than his. he did all that he said he would and more to our tiny Tim who got well Scrooge was like a second father he became as good a friend as good a master, as good a man as the good old city ever knew. It was always silly. He knew how to keep Christmas well. It's so... It's tiny things, have
0: So, that's the film. That is. That will do the commentary for uh, a Robert Zemeckis uh, film, A Christmas Carol, starring Jim Carrey and many, many other British actors. <laughs> and of course, we end with the best song on the uh, soundtrack called God Blesses Everyone by uh, Andre. I cannot pronounce his name. Burcelli or something. It's just so. Well done. And Jim Carrey actually voices all of the spirits. Yes, all of the spirits. Yeah, all of the spirits in this uh, movie, besides Marley, are all voiced by um, Carrey himself. And that makes you, like, realize that this is a very, very well done movie. And that all the ca- all the cast had certain roles that they did. And, I mean, it's just a well done movie. So, yeah. Um, as again, as I said before, this is one of my favorite uh, Christmas films. I watch this pretty much every year on Christmas. But I decided I'd uh, watch it early on uh on May, I would watch this at May, to do a, um, commentary for the entire film, uh, so I still have, like, about a couple more minutes left, and, um, I really don't know what else to say, but I have to keep on, because the, uh, the ending credits, uh, you have to do the ending credits, you have to talk, uh, for the commentary on the ending credits, and then you're Done. So I have to wait for the indie credits to end. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is just one of my favorite movies of all times. Uh, I need to get the soundtrack. As I said before, because there's just a lot of albums that I movies that I need the soundtrack to. Uh, it'd be nice to have that in my collection of uh, albums. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. I get up a little bit. I'm laying down right now. Gonna turn up the volume so you can hear the songs. It's great. Is by far the best song on the uh, soundtrack. So, yeah, now let's just, just enjoy the uh, Christmas Carol suite. Yeah, this is probably one of Disney's best films, I, I really enjoyed watching this, so, we're an hour and, uh, 34 minutes into the film, or an hour and 34 minutes, and it's already in the credits, so, I mean, I ain't got much left to say here, but I still have to keep it playing, so just enjoy this music, so, go. Yeah, enjoy. Done. So yeah, we're almost done. (laughs) It's actually a film from 2009. Actually, this wasn't in 2007. So that's my uh, poor correction I need to make. So yeah. All right. That does it. So, this is Mark Holland, signing out. Goodbye!